Welcome back, everyone, to Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that explores Chinese history through historical Chinese TV dramas. This is Karen. And this is Kathy. And we are back again to discuss episode five of Hogong Jin Huan Zhuan, Empresses in the Palace. Again, we'll start off with a brief recap of the episode before going into some deeper analysis. So what happens in this episode? Jin Huan, our main character, is dealing with a mutiny from her servants. She hasn't seen the emperor in about two months because, again, she's faking an illness. And the gossip is that she never will see the emperor. So none of the servants wants to tie their fortunes to a loser. She is understandably upset and dismisses everyone who wants to leave. The original head eunuch of Jin Huan's palace decides to go to Li Pin's palace instead. And if you recall, Li Pin is allied with the favorite Hua Fei. So at this point, there is only Jin Xi, the head maid, one eunuch named Xiao Yunzi, and one maid named Pear, who are left along with Huan Bi and Liu Zhu. These were the two servant maids that Jin Huan brought from home. In total, four servants have left from the original group that were supposed to be allotted to her when she entered the palace. We quickly see through this that even as a concubine, if you aren't in favor of the emperor, it isn't a comfortable life. We see that because it's wintertime and Jin Xi, again the headmaid, and Xiao Yunzi, the sole eunuch left in this palace, uh, are trying to burn some coal to keep warm in the winter. But the coal is very poor quality coal that burns with too much smoke, so it's impossible to put in a room to keep it warm. It's clear that the eunuchs from Nei Wu Fu, or the Imperial Household Department, who are responsible for giving out materials to the various ladies, obviously decided that it wasn't worth it to give Jin Huan quality coal and are like, we're okay if she just wallows to die. Well, <laughs> fortunately, Jin Huan's two friends, Shen Meizhuang and An Lingrong, stop by to check on Jin Huan. Immediately, Shen Meizhuang realizes that the eunuchs are playing games and not providing the allotted supplies. Shen Meizhuang as we remember, is currently favored by the emperor, and she's able to bring a few baskets of silver coal, which is basically higher quality coal, to help Jin Huan through the winter. After this scene, Shen Meizhuang's main maid actually goes to Nei Wufu, the imperial household department, to secure materials for Jin Huan so that she can survive the winter. Or basically just to let the eunuchs know that, hey, um, you should not treat her like this because Jin Huan is very close friends with my master, Shen Meizhuang. Unfortunately, before Shen Meizhuang's maid is able to leave, Song Zhi, who is Hua Fei's main maid, also comes and basically just bullies everyone there. A bit more time passes, and it's time for the New Year celebration. With Jin Huan's illness, she was granted leave by the empress to stay in her quarters and not attend the main festivities of the royal family. Instead, Jin Huan has a lovely time with her servants. They're joking and playing games, and they also make jianzhi, or Chinese paper cuts. And this is the red paper that people cut into elaborate shapes. So what Jin Huan finds out from one of her servants is that there is a legend that if you can put your paper cut onto a very high branch and make a wish, then the wish will come true. 
you see Jin Kwan's playful personality here because she's like, oh, that's a great idea, and runs off into the dead of winter where it's snowing outside to find some cherry blossoms or plum blossoms to put her paper cut on. In the palace, Huafei has organized the New Year's Eve celebration, and everyone is getting a little tipsy. The emperor, his concubines, and various favored brothers are in attendance for the feast. We are also introduced to the handsome 17th brother. His name is Yun Li. There's dancing and music. It's quite a lively occasion, but the emperor becomes upset when he sees red plum blossoms as part of the decorations. He decides to go out into the plum blossom garden instead for a stroll. The garden is called Yi Mei Yuan. There, he hears a woman who is making a wish by reciting a lovely poem from the Tang Dynasty. And who is it? Well, it's none other than Jin Huan. She makes the wish, but is overheard by not just the emperor, but also the 17th prince who has come out to find him, and a maid who is staffed at the garden. Her last name is Yu, and she's called Yu Yinger. The emperor calls out, wondering who is making the wish. Jin Huan hides away so she cannot be seen, and then lies to say that she's a servant maid in the garden before sneaking away. Well, she's supposed to be sick and in bed, and it's not good for her to be seen out and about, especially in the dead of winter. The handsome 17th prince reveals himself to be following the emperor, and they leave the garden, but not before Yongzheng, the emperor, smitten and surprised to find an educated woman among the ranks of the garden maids, asks his head eunuch, Su Peisheng, to find out who that woman is. Obviously, Yongzheng, the emperor, doesn't know it was Jin Huan. During the questioning, the maid, Yu, who overheard the exchange, seizes her opportunity to become a woman of the emperor and falsely claims that she was the one to make the wish that night. The emperor happily accepts her claim and showers her with attention, making her a concubine. A while later, we see Shen Meizhuang and Jin Huan discussing this new woman. Shen Meizhuang is getting a tiny bit worried about not getting as much attention by the emperor as she used to with this new woman around but is even more worried about their friend An Lingrong because this servant girl, Yu, is of a much lower birth rank than An Lingrong, who at least has a father that is an official. But now, both of these women are the same rank. Yu has been promoted twice recently, so her and An Lingrong have the same dying rank. The episode ends with a small confrontation between Yu Daying, that servant girl, and Shen Meizhuang as... She's leaving um, Jin Huan's palace. So that was the recap for the episode. Before we go on to the actual analysis, there are a few quick notes that we won't dive into, but we definitely want to point out. An Ningrong, the third of the trio of ladies who entered into the palace with Jin Huan and Shen Meizhuang, we haven't really talked about her in the last couple of episodes, but we want to remind everyone that she has the lowest rank of all of the ladies, below both Jin Kuan and Shen Meizhuang. So currently it's Shen Meizhuang with the highest rank of these three, and then Jin Kuan, who is a Changzhe, a first-class female attendant. And then you have An Lingrong, who's like below, below that. A Da Ying, which is a second-class female attendant. 
Yep. And what's interesting is that Jin Huan hasn't been called by the emperor, but An Lingrong also has not been called by the emperor to spend the night. Just because you are given a title of a concubine, it's not something that's given. Okay, because that you sleep with the emperor. Yes, because the emperor has to flip your card for the night. And, you know, it's I feel like it's kind of like dating. You go for what you like or are comfortable with. And like, sometimes you might not like this new person, you know. So he hasn't seen anything wrong yet, even though it's also been a couple of months. Something else to note is that Jin Huan hasn't told her friends what's happening with her sickness. So they are in the dark and think that her illness is actually true, even though it's fake. Um, the next topic, brief topic, is the topic of meihua or plum blossoms. So this flower will be a constant motif in the series. In China, uh, plum blossoms represent virtuosity, purity, and hope. It is a symbol of winter and is known as one of the four gentlemen of flowers in Chinese art. The others being chrysanthemums, which we already discussed, um, that represents shimeizhuang, the orchid, and the lotus. I didn't know that, actually, you know, Kathy? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Plum blossoms have a certain history within this story of Jin Huan which is why the emperor is so taken with the sight of flowers. Um, they represent somebody or some events. So this will, um, these flowers will constantly, constantly be referenced throughout the, the show. Also to note, meihua or these plum blossoms, they bloom in the wintertime and they are absolutely gorgeous. You have red plum blossoms paired with the sight of snow and it's like one of the most gorgeous scenes ever so in this drama you can tell it's like very fake <laughs> that they have these plum blossoms with fake snow in it everywhere but it is absolutely uh, gorgeous I think that that's real snow if you take a look i think that's real snow the plum blossoms might not be like organic they might have just like brought some pots and pots of flowers over but um yeah really I, I don't know, but uh, whatever. Anyways, it's a beautiful sight. All right, analysis time. What do we want to discuss in detail? This time, we're not going to focus as much on the concubines, but we're going to look at the servants instead. This is the scene uh, after Shen Meizhuang goes to visit Jin Huan and realizes that she's basically being gypped by the eunuchs of Nei Wufu, or again, the Imperial Household Department. This scene shows the dramas and subtleties of servant life that most other Chinese dramas don't really touch upon. And this actually really reminds me a little bit of Downton Abbey because, you know, you're kind of seeing behind the scenes what happens with all of the um, servants and stuff as they wait on the uh, upstairs crew. So we have Cai Yue, who is the head maid for Shen Meizhuang, um, and she's the one who goes to Nei Wufu. She's there to pick up the monthly allowance for her master. And remember um, a few episodes ago, um, Shen Meizhuang got punished, right? So she didn't have a monthly allowance, but now she is able to go pick that up because it's a new month. So it seems that here you have to go to pick up the money from this department. Um, and if your family has money, that's another situation. So Shen Meizhuang and Jin Huan's families are relatively wealthy, so they can also supplement the concubine's uh, coffers in that way as well. So Cai Yue casually mentions that she just went to Jin Huan's palace to send some stuff. 
And immediately, the head eunuch says, Oh, you came from Jin Huan's palace? Taiyue says, Yes, my master and Wan Changzai, which is Jin Huan's title, are childhood friends. She says Wan Changzai is missing things here and there, so my master always picks the nicest things to send to her. The head eunuch quickly responds, well, how is it appropriate for Shen Guiren to be sending stuff over to Jin Huan? It must be because some things fell through the cracks. We will immediately replenish and make it up to her. None of it is overacted. It's very pleasant. Everyone is still smiling. There are no accusations, no threats, just subtle hints that are dropped here and there. And fortunately, the other side picks up on this pretty quickly. Cai Yue, the maid, upon hearing that supplies will be replenished and therefore achieving her goal, promptly responds, I understand that your department is very busy with thousands of things to work on every day. It's inevitable that things are missed or fall through the cracks. So again, she's rounding out the conversation by not accusing anyone, but acknowledging that this is appreciated and that her master will be happy. For this exchange, Tai Yue mentions the connection of her master to Jin Huan very casually. Even though there is nothing threatening, the underlying tone here is very clear. Shin Meizhuang is favored by the emperor, and she is good friends with Jin Huan. So you, eunuchs of Nei Wufu, or this imperial household department, should heed my master's example and also treat Jin Huan accordingly. This exchange, when we look at it, is exactly why, number one, it is crucial to fight in the palace for the emperor's affections, and two, for the concubines to align themselves in factions. So let's take a look at the first point. If you are favored by the emperor, you have more sway over most of the servants because they think that you have the power to help them further their careers or give them larger monetary tips and rewards. No one wants to serve someone who's just going to wallow away in a palace that no one cares about. Now for the second point, Breaking up into factions or finding allies, as is the case here with Jin Huan, Shi Meizhuang, and An Lingrong, is an easier way to survive in the palace if you do not have a whole lot of favoritism from the emperor. Other factors to keep in mind are, of course, your matrilineal line and how much money your family has. Why do you think all of the servants treat An Lingrong pretty poorly? She comes from a poor background. But fortunately, she has allied herself with these two ladies. The main person right now, of course, is Shen Meizhuang because of her favor with the emperor. An Lingrong just needs to keep her head down. And while she won't be too well off, people won't bother with her. She's not a target for, let's say, Hua Fei or some other concubines because they know that she's not a threat. From this exchange between the servants, you realize how tiring it is to be in the palace and how precarious each woman's position is because it is a nonstop, constant battle or affection, not just because your own fortunes are tied to how much the emperor likes you, but your day-to-day by the eunuchs and maids will be heavily influenced by this favoritism. The head eunuch here and his entire department can most definitely make your life hell if they really wanted to. Like they can cut off supplies to coal or good food or clothing. Even though on the outside, you're a woman of the emperor, in the imperial palace, you are at the mercy of these servants. And on that lovely note, let's discuss a new main character. He is 
the 17th prince. His name is Yun Li. He is the younger brother of the current emperor, who is the fourth prince. They're brothers from different mothers, but they actually have quite a good relationship. Anyways, the 17th prince is handsome and dashing, and we are told that he is very focused on studying and likes his books or to travel and not too focused on politics. He is also a great flute player. When he is introduced during the New Year's Eve celebration, he, by the historical timeline, is around 26. So there's actually quite a huge age gap between the 17th prince and his brother, the current emperor. The current emperor, I think we recall, we said he was around 43 or so when he started, uh, when he ascended the throne. So, you know, a big age gap. The character of Yun Li, or Guo Wang, is portrayed by Liu Dongxue. Now, to give some context, we mentioned that the current emperor went through a ton of drama to become the emperor. The previous emperor, Kangxi, had a whopping 25 sons and ended up having nine of those sons scheme and battle it out for the throne. Our current emperor, Yongzheng, had to depose of most of his opponents, and we mentioned even his own blood brother, the 14th prince, who is now in exile. Therefore, Yongzheng, our current emperor, is incredibly wary of his brothers. However, he has a really good relationship with this brother, the 17th prince, primarily because he's not focused on politics and just likes his books. Um, not quite focused on women, that we'll see. Um, but he's just not a threat to Yongzheng. A little bit of a cool fact that I found while I was doing some research as well. Remember how in episode two, we discussed the whole name rule? So it is where you can't have the same character or same sounding characters in your name as the emperor. Well, we know that Yongzheng's real name is Yin Jin that we discussed with Jin Huan's name. Well, his brothers all had Yin as the character because that's custom that everyone... In their name. In their, in name. their name. So, for example, um, Yun Li, who we is the 17th prince, was actually called Yin Li. After Yongzheng is coronated, all of his living brothers changed their names to Yun because they couldn't have the same character as the emperor. That's why in some stories or shows, they will be referred to as Yun instead of Yin. If um, they're alive and Yongzheng's still alive too, or it's after the fact that he's already been coronated. Yeah, oh, that's that? very interesting. Yeah. I, did, I did not know that. Yeah. Good research. Good job, Kathy. <laughs> Now, this handsome gentleman was asked by the empress to follow the emperor while the emperor is drunkenly wandering around some garden because he was upset again at the sight of red plum blossoms. The 17th prince follows the emperor to the garden where the emperor overhears Jin Huan making her wish. So to reiterate, there are a total of four people in the garden at this point. One, the emperor. Two, Jin Huan three, the 17th prince, and four, this other servant girl named Yu. In the garden, Jin Huan says two lines of a poem. Ni feng ru jie yi, rong yi mo cui tan, from the poem Mei Hua, which literally the poem is called Plum Blossoms, by the Tang Dynasty poet Cui Dao Rong. This poem is pretty on the nose since the title is literally Plum Blossoms, and these two lines basically mean, 
I hope the rebellious winds are understanding and do not destroy the flower. Jin Huan wants to remain quote unquote pure and hopes that she doesn't get swept up in palace drama. All four of the characters overhear this. Yongzheng is impressed and wants to know who she is. Jin Huan lies and says that she's a maid. And Yongzheng wants to find out who she is after leaving the garden. And basically he says the first line, okay, if there's anybody here who can say the second line from Ni Feng Ru Jie Yi, what's the second line? Bring her to me. When Su Peisheng, the emperor's head eunuch, asks if anyone knows the corresponding line the next day, the maid Yu seizes her chance and says the second part of the line, Rong Yi Mo Cui Tan. She is then presented to Yongzheng and the 17th prince. And just like that, the emperor makes her a Guan Nuzi, the lowest ranking concubine. Now, listen to the two lines as Yongzheng leaves the room. He says, The maid, Yu Ying'er, kind of just sits there. She has no idea what it means. Yunli, the 17th prince, then asks, Do you know what it means? This is a poem by Li Bai, and the emperor really likes Li Bai. Li Bai is one of the most famous Tang Dynasty poets in Chinese history. And right now it seems that Yunli is helping her out, giving her some pointers to win favor. But no, he's actually testing her. These two lines are actually from a Song Dynasty poet by Zhu Duanru, and he's actually testing her to see if she is actually educated and knows that there is, this, is a, this is a mistake. Yu Yingar doesn't correct him and just says, thanks, I'm, I'm very grateful. I'm pretty impressed that the drama didn't say, hey, this is wrong. He just leaves it there. I had to do additional research on this poem um, and found out through that that this was actually not the correct author. Yeah, I think it's very cool that this drama is kind of just like hinting that uh, the 17th prince knows she may be a fraud, but doesn't outright say it. He does later on, you know, say that, say to Su Peisheng that, uh, you know, you might have gotten the wrong woman. But from here, we find out and we can see that the 17th prince is one sharp cookie. He knows that telling his brother, the emperor, the truth won't do himself as the 17th prince any favors. And I mean, it seems like Yongzheng's mind is pretty set on this girl because this girl knows also how to sing. So she's been singing for hours on end and the emperor is enraptured by her. Yun Li, the 17th prince, knows when to keep his mouth shut. Basically, he's like, ugh, I'm just going to let my brother do whatever he wants, even though I know there was probably a mistake. Affairs of Gong and politics will most likely get him killed if he says too much, which is why I think at this point he has been able to survive so long. He just needs to stick with playing Chinese Go and his flute and reading poetry. Well, another thing is in the garden, remember Jin Huan um, left her paper cut out, paper cut on one of the branches of a plum blossom. And it's Yunli that picks it up, not Yongzheng. So that's also a, uh, um, a hint for what's to come. And as we mentioned before, in a short period of time, Yu Ying'er, 
the servant maid, is now already a dying, and she's really mean to a lot of people. And that's that for episode five. In the next episode, we will see how this new girl survives. Hey, at least she survived longer than Xia Dongchun. What's going to happen to Jin Quan now that this girl has, you know, kind of taken her spot and has taken all this favoritism? And what's going to happen now that we know these two men, Yunli, the 17th prince, and Yongzheng, the emperor, kind of overheard this conversation? Thank you again for listening to us. Uh, if you have any comments or feedback, please contact us at chasingdramaspodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Share this with your friends if they have any interest in learning about Chinese history or they just want some in-depth analysis of this really famous drama. And we look forward to sharing our thoughts on the next episode with you.